Good morning, Mercy Culture family. Come on, good morning. We still a little bit of a turkey coma this morning. Little trip to fan. How many of you ate well? We had a, yeah, there we go, me too. Had a couple of our team from the Pacific Northwest telling me about their stuffing. I said, don't, don't even talk to me. No offense to those of y'all from up north, but down here we have dressing. Not dressing, dressing. And it's good. We don't put no fruits in it, no nuts in our dressing, no raisins in our potato salad. Can I get a good amen? Amen. No Stouffer's mac and cheese. Don't get me started. Greens, beans, tomatoes. All right. So good to see everybody this morning. What an incredible worship service we just had. And I just feel it so strongly in my spirit for us not to, uh, not to give up on this attitude and this posture of gratitude this morning. And what I kept hearing over and over in my spirit during worship is this is the sound of victory. And I'm not going to preach to you this morning because we have a guest, but this is the sound of victory. Our gratitude, our thankfulness to the Lord is our sound of victory. What do I mean? Well, around here at Mercy Culture, we've been talking about it's easy in his presence. We've got it on the walls. We've been preaching about it. We sing songs about it. And if you're anything like me, when we first began on this series of easy in his presence, my flesh became a little irritated because there's been seasons in my life that it hasn't been easy. I'm the only one. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Somebody raise their hand back there. There's been seasons in my life that it hasn't been easy. And so my flesh got a little bit irritated, but the Lord was taking me and took me to, to Paul. And we see this, this man who said, Lord, my, my light and momentary struggles... And we hear all of these things that happened to this man of God. His struggles were neither light nor were they momentary. They were heavy and they were long lasting. But he said, my light and momentary struggles. What? He had an attitude and a heart posture of gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord no matter what he faced. So they said, we're going to lock you up in jail. And he said, would you? Because if I'm in jail, I can finish the Bible. And I've been wondering how I was going to find time to do that. And they said, well, fine, we're going to kill you. He goes, would you? Because I've been struggling. Do I want to live this life or to die is to be with Christ? But to live, I can spread the gospel. Thank you. You've just made my decision for you. Oh, praise God. You killed me. Great. What do you do with somebody who can't lose? What do you do with somebody that no matter what they're facing, they say, oh, thank God. Look at what God is going to do through this scenario. If I'm dead, I get to be with Jesus. If I'm in prison, I get to write the Bible. If I'm, if I'm broke, I get, to practice, uh, I get to practice sacrificial giving. If I'm rich, I get to practice great generosity to those. There's no way that I can lose when my heart and my mind is grateful to the Lord. When I walk in a spirit of gratitude and thankfulness I cannot fail that's what it means that it's easy in his presence that's what it means for the difficulty the light and momentary struggles of our lives become easy when we get into the presence of the Lord no matter what we're facing God works together all things for our good when we trust him so as we continue through this service today, I just want you in your spirit to foster gratitude, foster thankfulness. This isn't just because it's the week after Thanksgiving. 
This is because this is the way that we as believers are intended to live. I've been thinking about something a lot this week. I've had a little bit of downtime this week. And thinking, if we think the same as the world, what good is our Christianity? If we react the same as everybody else, what good is this Jesus that we, came, that we claim to believe in? But when no matter what you do to us, our heart is thankful to God. When no matter what comes our way, we can lift up our hands to the heavens and we can thank the Lord with everything that is within us. We are unstoppable. Somebody say amen. 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 I'm so honored this morning to welcome. She's not a guest. She's been here before, and she's a member of the Mercy Culture family. Pastor Kaylee Morrow is here with us today. Pastor Kaylee, when I was thinking about how I'm going to introduce her, uh, there's about 47 different titles that she holds at our Fort Worth campus. But Pastor Kaylee heads up MC Connect, so I'm not going to be foolish enough to try to tell you about MC Connect when the woman who wrote the curriculum is right here in front of us. She writes curriculum. She heads up MC Connect. She heads up Connect with God that you just saw. She also oversees the women's conference that we have every year. I may or may not have snuck in the back of this last women's conference and worshiped in the back. But Pastor Kaylee uh, leads in so many different ways and in such a high capacity in Fort Worth. And it is our honor and privilege to have her here with us this morning. I couldn't think of any body better to deliver to us the culture of this house. Kaylee Morrow is one of the greatest culture carriers that I know, and honor is one of our values in this house. Let's stand to our feet and honor Pastor Kaylee this morning. Good morning. It is an honor to be here, Uh, and I want to take a time to honor your pastors, Pastor Les and Pastor Nikki, and how amazing they are. I have had just the pleasure of getting to run with you and getting to know you in the past few years, and you are some of my favorite people. Uh, Can you just love and and honor your pastors, Pastor Les and Pastor Nikki? Well, the vision of Mercy Culture Church is to take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. What does that mean? It means that we don't just come here and then live on what happened in this tent alone, but that we get to meet with the Lord every single day. And one of my favorite things about this vision is that it never gets old. Because the vision is it's a daily personal encounter that your encounter with God looks different than my encounter with God. And Pastor Les mentioned MC Connect. I'm sure many of you have heard about MC Connect. How many of you have gone through that? Have you just been blessed? Sure hope so. Well, MC Connect is how we walk you through this vision of what happens in here to go into your home into your room, into the place where you encounter God. And through MC Connect, it's a really simple three-step process. It's all online. So you can text CONNECT to 599 if you haven't already done so. But you watch a few videos that you get to know all about Mercy Culture. You take a few assessments. One of them is the Connect with God assessment. And it gives you insight on how you personally connect with God. 
Because not everybody connects with God the same. Some people need to be in movement, and when they move, they remove distractions, and that's when they're able to hear the voice of the Lord. Some of you need to get alone in solitude. Others of you, when you connect with God through expression, you're creating with him. He comes in new ways, and you've never felt so close to him before. So through this assessment, it gives you just an insight, a magnifying glass of what you may already know, and it almost kindles the fire in your daily personal encounters so that you can encounter him every single day. Because we know encounters with God change everything. So you take an assessment, and then you make an appointment. We have an amazing MC Connect team that prepares to meet with you. They pray over you. They submit a prophetic word over you, and they get you connected into serving in this amazing house. So if you have not become a member of MC Connect, uh, of Mercy Culture, you can go through MC Connect by texting CONNECT to 59090. If you would like my notes to be sent to you, you can also text notes to 59090. I am so excited to be here this morning. Why, we all know that it's still the year of expanding territory. This year is not over yet. It's still the year of expanding territory. And we have been praying 1 Chronicles 4.10, which is this. Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, Oh, if that you would bless me indeed and enlarge and expand my territory so that your hand might be with me, that you would keep me from harm and evil so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. He did it. He did it. He's going to do it for you this year. In this series, we're going through expanding territory through heaven's culture. And at Mercy Culture, we have four elements that make up our culture. The first is our vision, that we exist to take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. When you cut us open, this is what we bleed. Another element of our culture is our values of how we act at our best. We have 12 values. I'm sure you've already heard a number of them already. I'm going to dive into one today. And another element of our culture is that we have unique characteristics of why did God ask us to plant Mercy Culture Church? What is unique? What does the Lord want to do through this house? And the last element of our culture are our leadership standards of who we empower Pastor Les prophesied just a few weeks ago that God is establishing the foundations of Waco to be a force to be reckoned with. He said to be ready to run in 2023 with great vision. And this morning, even during worship, the Lord was talking to me about this word. And he was saying, be ready to run and just as Pastor Les mentioned, I oversee March Women's Conference. And last year, the Lord, or this year, our last conference, the Lord was saying a lot about being made ready for his return. That as a bride, when we know that we've been made new, that we're made ready for him. And I've been getting prophetic words in the last few months of, now you're made ready, but be ready. There's a difference of being made ready and being ready. And I believe in this word Mercy Culture Waco, you're in the process of being made ready. You're getting your foundation uh, strengthened, fortified, and the Lord is making you ready, but there's a, an unction and an importance to be ready. Be ready to run. I came here to tell you today that God is calling you to run, but in order to run, you need to be humble and teachable. 
The message is called Expanding Territory Through Empowerment. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love you. We love your presence. Father God, there's nobody like you. You're holy. Jesus, you're holy. We exalt you in this place. We say you are higher than every other thing. Every distraction must go. Holy Spirit, we set our eyes on you. We say, Holy Spirit, we don't just make room for you, but we give you the entire room. There be no spirit but the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that we came to hear from you. And so we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. How will you be ready to run in 2023? I believe a key to being ready is to take to heart this culture so that you can run in our value of empowerment. Our value of empowerment, this is one of my favorite values. And of the 12 values, I love all of them. And every single time, we can never get tired of going over these values. We go over our culture all the time, but there's so much richness and a new layer that the Lord wants to reveal to us every single time we talk about it. But empowerment is something that holds really close to my heart because there's so much freedom that happens with empowerment. But this is our value of empowerment. We say, our heart, your mind. We empower those with our heart to lead with their mind. We trade empowerment for teachability and humility. What does this mean? It means that we empower those with our heart. Our heart is all of our culture, walking in our values and our leadership standards, having daily personal encounters. The heart is unity with what God is calling us to be. I remember I was in a corporate encounter a few Sundays ago, and then we were singing this song about, Lord, I just want to move your heart. I want to I know what's on your heart. And I had this vision or a spiritual daydream of me crawling up in God's lap and putting my ear to his chest to hear his heartbeat. And in the vision, as I listened to his heartbeat, my heartbeat began to sync with his. And I actually looked it up in Google, and that's actually scientific that when you listen to a heartbeat, your heartbeat begins to sink and beat at the same time. It actually happens to where when choirs are singing the same song, their hearts are in sync. There's other studies that say when everyone is in a room and they're all paying attention, heartbeats sink to the same rhythm. And so if you guys are all paying attention, we could be all having the same heartbeat. But there's something unique to this vision as I saw it. I was like, Lord, I want to know what's on your heart. I want to know what's on your mind. I want to be an expression of your heartbeat in the earth. And the Lord showed me that if you just listen, you get it. And that is our value of empowerment. It's our heart. There's unity involved. That our heart and our culture is what God is speaking and calling us to be. It's kingdom culture, not mercy culture culture. It's what the Lord wants to release on the earth. And so our heart is walking in all of our values. And we get that in daily personal encounters. There's unity in it. But I love this part of empowerment. It's not just our heart, our mind. No, it's our heart, your mind. That means that you have a unique skill, gifting, calling, experience that God has placed within you that your mind is different than mine. That we actually need you at the table to fulfill what God is calling us to do. 
that we need your mind, your perspective, your eyesight, your uniqueness in your mind to be empowered with our heart in unity and submission and in humility and teachability. We say it like this at Mercy Culture. We'll say, you can run before you can crawl, but if you're running in the wrong direction and leadership comes and says, hey, you're going the wrong way, come over this way, we are expecting you to respond with humility and teachability. Empowerment's definition is authority or power given to someone to do something. Another definition of empowerment is the process of becoming stronger or more confident. To boil that down, empowerment literally means to give power away. That empowerment has to come from authority. And we don't have authority unless God has released authority to us. So ultimately, empowerment comes from the Lord. It comes from the Holy Spirit. In this room, we see and we get empowered by the Lord to see him, to worship him, to be here, to walk in these values and these culture. He gives us power. It comes from him. And we can only give away what God has given to us. Today, as we learn how we walk out this value of empowerment, we're going to be in Exodus 18, verses 13 through 26. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw that all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is not good. Don't we need people to tell us that? You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice, and I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens." And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure. And all this, people will also go in their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Now let's unpack this passage and how Moses walked in our value of empowerment. But first I want to highlight that Moses was humble and teachable. 
Jethro, his father-in-law, came to him and said, Moses, you're acting stupid. You're doing something that's not good. You're going to get tired. You're going to have the people all look to you, and you're building it around yourself, and you're not going to endure. This is not good. But you see, Moses had all these crazy encounters with God. He met with God at the burning bush. He walked through the, the sea and all these crazy, amazing God encounters. But he was humble and teachable despite all of that. Moses could have been, who do you think you're talking to? God chose me. But no, Moses was humble and teachable and he listened to his father-in-law. So if Moses encountered God face to face, and if he was humble and teachable, you can walk in humility and teachability too. Another thing in this passage is that it is impossible for a few or one to do everything. It's impossible. In this house, you may have seen that there is a lot that God has called us to. And it's impossible for only one or two or even three to be able to do it all. So this value of empowerment is actually kingdom-minded because it is doing what God has called us to do. That it's not building us, building anything around ourselves, but we're build it, building it and driven by the presence of God, which is one of our unique characteristics. That we're a presence-driven church. So we're not built around any person or ministry, but we're built around the presence of God. That we're continually asking God, Lord, what is on your heart? What is on your mind for your house? How do we do this? We can't go without you. It's impossible for you to, to do everything. And in empowerment, there is a, a preferring of others. There's an actual physical letting go, which with us, with having pride and control and wanting things to be done a certain way. Empowerment says, no, no, no. Our heart, your mind, there's a release. There's an encouragement that it's not all on you. Because if it was, there would be a burden to endure and to carry it by yourself. I'm sure you guys have heard the analogy before, but if you, or maybe you've even done this when you're moving and there's only a few people and you're trying to lift up something heavy and you hurt yourself, because there's only a few to carry it, but when you grab a lot of people to carry something heavy, it's easy in his presence. It's easy, the burden is light, because there's a preferring, a letting go, that it's not all me, it's not around me, but it's building a legacy, because I'm bringing other people in. What Moses was doing here is that he was highlighting capable and able men to come and carry the load with him. And as I was thinking and processing this with the Lord, I saw that Moses was building legacy because he was building up leaders. And we don't know who these men were or who their families were, but I can only imagine the impact that these men walked in as they were empowered to lead and to know how to make decisions according to God's laws. That as they led men of tens, fifties, thousands, that they walked in empowerment and they grew as a leader because they had the decision-making ability. Imagine how that impacted their community, how it impacted their family, how they were fathers who rose up to lead according to God's heart and his mind. Something to note is that empowering others is not delegation. 
is not delegation. Empowerment is giving away the decision-making ability, while delegation is just task management. Moses didn't say, hey, I'm going to empower you to uh, go hear the, the, all the chaos from the people and then come bring me and let me make the decision and micromanage it for you. He said, no, you have the ability to make the decisions and judge them according to God's laws. It's our heart, your mind. You have the mind to make decisions. Delegation is like saying, you be me, but empowerment is you be you. You be you. I like to highlight that Moses chose capable men in this passage. Jethro gave him a list of criteria of who would be a good fit to lead Israel. He said, men who feared God, who were trustworthy and who hated a bribe. These men walked in integrity. They were set apart. And at Mercy Culture, we have the same thing. We call them our leadership standards. It's an element of our culture that we empower those who have daily encounters with God. There's only one way to God, and it's through Jesus. But in Jesus, there are many ways to connect with him that we disciple people to have daily personal encounters. If it's the vision and the heartbeat of this house, we have to have leaders who go there first. If you don't know how to get there, how can you have people follow you to get into the daily encounters? Leaders go first. So we empower those who have daily encounters with God. We empower those who Sabbath that we honor the Sabbath, that we choose one day and we set apart, that it's holy. It's a set apart day that it's holy unto the Lord. The Sabbath was made for you to rest, heal, and hear from God. It's a leadership standard to Sabbath because we know that if you're obedient and rest and obedient, period, because God has called us to Sabbath, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Remember Pastor Landon saying, what other Ten Commandments do you willingly break? It's a Ten Commandment. And I, I know there's uh, our culture of always going so, so strong and going to the next thing and, and the work can get in the way. And what if I like to work? But the Lord said, no, the Sabbath was made for our covenant, that it sets you apart, that it's, I made it for you. And so we empower those who Sabbath. Another leadership standard is those who tithe. We honor the Lord with the tithe, with joy. Everyone say, with joy. joy. We got the joy of the Lord this morning. We give to God our first and our best. It's a leadership standard that you bring your tithe to the Lord. And when you're obedient in the tithe and bringing it to the storehouse, God says, I can trust you with money. Now I can trust you with the greatest treasure of all, just people. Another leadership standard is unity. We empower those who walk in unity. The favor of God is found in unity. Our desire is to be in perfect unity with the Holy Spirit, which brings us into unity with one another. We understand that unity pleases the Lord. We know that when we get in unity with the Holy Spirit, we're automatically all in unity with each other. I think because we pray in the Spirit so much as a church, it actually brings us into unity supernaturally. And so even in your home, these are not just leadership standards to happen in this house, 
that they come into your home. These values come into your home. They come in with your children. They come in with your spouse. That when you are needing to find unity, you often will feel this disunity before you see it. So as a leaders, we step in and say, hey, are we good? I feel a little shift. I feel a wedge. Let's lean into awkward and build trust. Let's communicate. Let's love each other. Let's get into unity because we know that when we're in unity, we've found the favor of God. We don't want to go anywhere without his favor, his ease, his breakthrough. And our last leadership standard is forgiveness. Forgiveness is actually one that is in both places a leadership standard and a value of how we act at our best. It is put in front of us twice because we need it. The Lord taught us to pray in, in the Lord's prayer of, Lord, I repent. I need your forgiveness. Now search my heart and who I need to forgive. We say it like this at Mercy Culture. Forgiveness is not optional. It's not optional. When you stop forgiving, you stop spiritually growing. When you're walking in unforgiveness and bitterness and the enemy leaves that root in you, it spreads and it grows and it comes out and you can't hear God anymore because you're not walking in forgiveness. We, never, we are never more like Jesus than when we are forgiving. That's a leadership standard. So those are our standards of leadership. If, if, if we were like Jethro and say, hey, pick people to lead, we would say these are the able people, those who have daily personal encounters with God, those who walk in unity, who forgive, who Sabbath, and who tithe. Those are the people to empower with our heart and their mind. Now here's the important part with empowerment is that there's a trade-off. We don't just hand out empowerment to anybody. There's a trade-off of teachability and humility. In order to be empowered, there's a trade, okay, I'm going to walk in teachability and humility. I felt like the Lord said, he's calling you to run. In order to run, you need to be humble and teachable. And I remember processing this before, like, why teachability and why humility? Why those two things? And I felt like the Lord told me to go look up the antonyms are the opposites of these words. The antonym or the opposite of humility is prideful, overbearing, unpleasantly, or arrogantly domineering. And the opposite of teachable is uncontrollable, unmanageable, or wild. And it comes down to we can't empower a prideful, unpleasantly, or arrogantly domineering, uncontrollable, or unmanageable wild person. Can you imagine? How many of your parents in the room? I have a, a beautiful, two, almost two-year-old daughter. She's the cutest thing, and I love her so much, but she's about to be two, and we've gotten to where she knows how to say no, and that when I want her to do something, she becomes like 50 pounds extra heavier, and she like flails and stiff arms, and if I want to move her, she is unmanageable, uncontrollable, wild, and unpleasantly domineering. I'm being funny, but so many times when we're not humble and teachable, this is what we're like in our heart, that we have this heart posture of, I can't believe that they're telling me to do that, or I think I know the best way to do that. Who are they to say? And we have this pride that rises up in our heart and this 
unmanageable way of not being taught a better way. And so even as you can imagine, your toddler's just, you know, lying and flailing on the floor, and it feels like if they're wrestling an alligator to get them to do anything and walk in obedience. Sometimes we're like that in our heart. When we're humble and teachable, that's when we're a willing vessel for the Lord. So let's dive into teachability. Teachability literally means capable of being taught. It's pretty simple. Can you be taught? Are you teachable? It's pretty simple in this way, too, that if you can't be taught, is it a head issue or a heart issue? And what I mean by that is if it's just a head issue, it's just uh, if something didn't work out and it's just a head issue, like, well, I can just learn that new skill. I can learn how to be better. It's just renewing my mind, learning a new skill, learning a new perspective. But if it's a heart issue, that can't be taught. A heart issue is like this. It's rebellion. It's pride. It's ambition unsubmission and control. And that kind of heart issue can't actually be teachable at all because it's unwilling to be taught. And so it's important to know in yourself as you're searching your heart, Lord, am I teachable? Do I have something in my heart that needs to be rooted out by you? Because only he can. Nobody else can do it for you. You have to be a responsible to bring it to the Lord and have him root out those heart issues in you. And that's why daily personal encounters are so important because that's where we get freedom, healing, and deliverance. And it's easy in his presence. <laughs> Proverbs 13, 18 tells us this. Whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. Do you want to be honored? Heed correction. Be teachable. So how do you know if you're teachable? When someone gives you feedback, do you receive it? Do you apply it? Or do you defend yourself and give excuses? I know Pastor Nikki just brought a word on feedback recently. It's one of our values of how we act at our best. That feedback feeds us, that it makes us better. Another way to know if you're teachable, are you submitted? Now, submitted can be kind of a dirty word in church. It comes with many hurts and manipulation, but submission is such a beautiful thing. Jesus has modeled a beautiful submission to us that he only did what he saw his father doing. He only said what he heard the father say, that he was submitted to the point of death on a cross, that he laid down his life. And if we're wanting to be like Jesus, we're wanting to submit. And this is what submission means. It doesn't mean that leadership is controlling you. Submission means you control you that it's your responsibility, that's you leading, and it's you yielding and laying down for yourself. How do you know that you're submitted? You don't actually know you're submitted until your will is tested. When someone tells you no, not yet. Can, can someone tell you no, not yet? That's how you know you're submitted. If you want to be empowered in this house, you need to be taught how to run in this house. 
You can't do this without teachability. I love that we have a song called It's Easy and a prayer, really. It says, you said you teach me. It's in our benediction. Lord, teach me your ways that I may know you and find your favor. It is all over everywhere in mercy culture that we want to be taught by him. I encourage you to bring that into your daily encounter. Lord, teach me. I don't know what I'm doing. Let me tell you, none of us do. None of us know what we're doing. We are fully reliant on the Holy Spirit to teach us everything. Nobody has it figured out. Holy Spirit, teach us. Let's talk about humility. We all need to grow in humility. So what is humility? Webster defines humility as freedom from pride or arrogance. The Bible defines humility as devoid of all haughtiness, to bring down pride. And I found this in commentary that it literally means to level or to reduce as a plane. That every high thing is brought low. That's what humility looks like. Every mountain brought low in the presence of God so that only he can be seen. Humility is when we compare ourselves to God and see God for who he clearly is, and therefore we see ourselves for who we are. A humble person's heart cry is to please and magnify the Lord over everything, over ourselves. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are abomination to him. Haughty eyes. The first thing that's listed is pride. This is what the Lord hates. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and the one who sows discord among brothers. But pride is listed first. I feel like pride is what is like the gateway into all the rest of the things. We must be humble because the Lord hates it when we're prideful. We read about Moses in Exodus 18 where he walked in humility and teachability and where he empowered those with God's heart to use their mind and that they were teachable and humble, that walked in integrity. But we also know that Moses walked in humility and it was mentioned in Numbers 12. Numbers 12, 3 says, now the man Moses was very meek or humble, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. And it continues in verse 6 through 8. And he said, this is God, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream, but not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all of my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. The Lord actually identified that humility was key to hearing him to seeing him face to face, that Moses was distinguished because he was meek, he was humble. And because of that, the Lord got to speak to him mouth to mouth. This is why it takes humility to be empowered. Because empowerment is not just leadership empowering you to do something in this house. It's the Lord empowering you to do something in this house. And he needs to know, if I'm going to empower you, will you come to me to hear the direction I'm calling you to run? This is why humility is so important. God can't use someone who will take all the credit for themselves. Mercy culture. 
You have a call to run and to do the impossible and requires God working in and through you. It requires us all to grow in humility. So how do we grow in humility? Here are some practical tips to grow in humility because we all need to grow in humility. I need to grow in humility. The first tip or step is to be aware of how prideful you are. When you feel the puff of pride, keep it out in front of you. What does that mean? Tell on yourself. Pride literally, it feels like a puff. Like you actually can feel the pride coming in you. Like you, you puff up when there's pride. They're like, oh, I did that. Oh, I want to be seen. Oh, I want to be recognized. That was me. That's what pride feels like. Pride comes knocking at all of our doors. Pride is the excessive preoccupation with ourself, with our own importance, our achievements, our status, or our possessions. But pride doesn't just always come in pride in that puff. It also comes in insecurity because that's a form of pride too. That's when we become preoccupied with what other people are thinking about us instead of what the Lord is saying and what he has called us to do. That we're ruled and controlled by fear of man rather than the fear of the Lord. So whether we are prideful or insecure, we're still thinking of ourselves over others and over what the Lord is saying. 1 Peter 5, 5 says this, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you. Everyone say, all of you. With humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I'm sure all of us have heard that verse before, but what stuck out to me as I was studying was that Peter used the word clothe yourself. I was like, that's interesting. Why clothe yourself with humility? And I looked into commentary, and that word was a rare word that refers to servants actually putting on an apron before they got to serve that they put on an apron that was intentionally put on to be humble and to serve, no matter what it looked like. This means that humility is intentional to put on. That's why daily encounters are so important, that in these daily encounters, we put this humility on, and it sets us apart to serve no matter what it looks like. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace but with the humble is wisdom. The second step in growing in humility is you resist pride by pursuing humility. You pray for it. You have daily personal encounters. I don't think I can ever say that enough. You can't just resist pride. You have to be pursuing something. There's an exchange that the Lord wants to give us. He wants to take away our pride and our sin, and he wants to give them us himself. He wants to give us humility. James 4, 6 through 9 says, he gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we resist the devil, but the next verse says, but we draw near to God, and the promise is he draws near to us. Verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. We don't just resist pride, we pursue humility. Psalm, 20, uh, Psalm 25, 9 says, he leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. This is where he teaches us in our daily encounters. This is where humility and teachability collide. 
When we are humble, he teaches us what his way is. The third step in growing in humility is have people around you who can call you out, just like Jethro did with Moses. People who won't flatter you, but will call you higher, where there's ironing and sharpening iron, and we walk in our value of feedback. The fourth step to growing in humility is submitting your will to God. Here's that word submit again. Remember, submission is you controlling you, not someone else controlling you. And this is where we pray, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I don't want my way, I want your way. And we do this anytime pride is rising up, saying, Lord, I want to submit my will to you because you are God and I love you. Worship team, will you come up and join me? Not only is humility and teachability needed to be empowered, to be empowered in this house, but I also believe that humility and teachability will be key factors in ushering in revival to the city of Waco. Because when you are humble and teachable, you are a willing vessel for the Lord to pour out all that he wants to pour out. As I was preparing this message, the Lord brought up the principalities over Waco and what we are declaring over Waco to unseat those principalities. We've identified that there is an orphan spirit and we are uplifting the spirit of adoption where we are saying, Lord, thank you that you are calling us as adopted sons and daughters, that we are unseating orphan spirit and proclaiming an adoption spirit where there is a false religion, principality over Waco, and we are declaring Holy Spirit and truth, you reign and we exalt you over everything. Where there is dishonor, we are uplifting honor. Where there is covetousness, we are uplifting gratitude and generosity. And I was like, Lord, why are you bringing up these things? I saw, mercy culture, that when you walk and you catch on to this value of empowerment, of our hearts, your mind, that we trade empowerment for teachability and humility, that you will be getting freedom and deliverance over these things before you unseat them in Waco. You'll be walking in adoptions because sons and daughters get empowered. When you walk in empowerment, you have a confidence that you're a son and a daughter who has the Lord behind you saying, run, daughter, run, son, go. You have a good father who empowers you, who loves to empower you. The Holy Spirit in truth, the Holy Spirit empowers you. Religion will tell you, you can't do this. This is reserved for somebody else. But the Holy Spirit says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, the religious spirit hates empowerment. But the Holy Spirit loves it. The religious spirit will tell you, you know everything, but the Holy Spirit says, I have so much to teach you. Gratitude and generosity. When you walk in the value of empowerment, you are grateful for what God has given you to steward 
and you celebrate others when they're walking in their assignments. You're not coveting other people's assignments and comparing and competing, but you're walking in our value of celebration where we say, put it on the board. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong and you're generous to serve because there's no strings attached. This is what happens when you walk in the value of empowerment. Finally, honor. How does honor get involved with empowerment? When you assign heaven's value to the culture that he's entrusted us with, when you honor the culture that he's established, you're walking in honor. You're honoring our heart and you're running with your mind and you walk in honor by being teachable and being humble. Empowerment expands territory because it goes beyond you. While I was preparing this message, I heard God say, Waco, I want to show you my glory, but I can't share my glory. This is why being humble and teachable is so key. He brought up Pastor Jeremy Dunn's word in 2021. It's called the cycle of favor. You wanna go watch it on YouTube. And I felt in my spirit to warn you against the temptation of pride. He said this in the prophetic word, don't take credit for what God is doing here because you fasted for it. He did it. We can take the praise and walk in pride for something that does not belong to us. The only thing that will hold this house back is robbing God the glory that belongs to him. The only thing that will hold this house back is robbing God of the glory that belongs to him. This is why humility and teachability is the essential key for you to run into all that God has called you to. The Lord has called you to run. He's called you to be ready. He wants to show you his glory. Will you respond with humility and teachability to be empowered with our heart and your mind? As I was uh, having my daily encounters this week, the Lord had me go to my old journal from like seven years ago. And if you come with God through remembrance, I encourage you to go back through your journals. And I found this journal entry where I was nannying at the time and this little five-year-old girl, I wrote down the story of the encounter I had with her. And she said, uh, we would pick her up from cheer and we, every time we would stop at a red light, she would say, you wanna know what my secret password is? Every time the light was red, she would start to pray, God, I love you. Would you turn this red light green so we can get home? She would do it every single time there's a red light. And every time the light turned green. And I was like, thank you, Lord, showing your faithfulness to a five-year-old girl. But there was one time that I wrote down in my journal where she said this again, do you wanna know my secret password? She starts saying, God, I love you. I love you, I love you. Lord, would you turn this red light green? And then there was something that shifted in the car. She started to intercede. And I've never heard a little five-year-old girl pray like this. She started to pray, and God, would you release all of the hospitals that there be, everybody would get healed in every hospital, that all of the uh, people who had a fake arm, that their real arm would grow back, and all people that would hurt people and puppies, that they would stop. And she started praying for all these things and for kids to obey their parents. And it was a shift that happened where she began to intercede boldly for specific detailed prayers. And the Lord brought me to that. And I felt like this is what we're supposed to do in this moment of we're going to take time to just love on him. When we love on him, he turns every red light green 
the things that have been stopping you and walking in empowerment, there's gonna be freedom and deliverance in this moment. So we're gonna get into worship and we're just gonna take time to love on him. We're going to love on him. This is the secret password. Everyone just stand to your feet. This is where empowerment from the Holy Spirit comes, where we begin to love on him with every ounce of our being. I saw in this moment that as we love on him, we're crawling up in his lap and that we're sinking our heart to his heartbeat. This is where you catch his heart to be empowered with your mind. This is where we grow in humility and teachability. And so if you need to move around the room, we're gonna take time to love on him. freedom lifted 
of using someone else's mind or being somebody else. So God, I thank you that as we love on you, we see you and that you called us to be ourselves with your heart and our mind. God, I thank you for giving us a perspective shift of humility and teachability. Lord, we humble ourselves. Jesus, would you teach us? Every lie of the enemy must go. Religion, you must go. Holy Spirit, come. I thank you that it's easy in your presence. Jesus, we love you. Finally, I, as I was preparing, I, I saw women in the room. Part of our culture is that we have unique characteristics and one of our unique characteristics is that we empower women in ministry. Women in the room, empowerment's coming to you as you go low and you're teachable. So would every woman raise your hands? Holy Spirit, I thank you for coming on women this, in this room. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you teach us. I thank you for the freedom from past lies and hindrances and the shame of stepping forward. Women, I saw you forgiving men who have shut your voice down. That forgiveness was a key for you walking in empowerment and teachability and humility. Jesus, I thank you that you empower us. Holy Spirit, come, stay and remain. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.